Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And today, grab your false fangs, adorn your evil cloaks, and turn on your subtitles as we explore Kronos and A Girl Walked Home Alone at Night. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. <laughs> I have to talk about how long the title is. So, <laughs> it's literally A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It's too long. It's too long. I'm sorry. It's my, like... Probably my one criticism of the movie is that it's too long of a title and someone should have told her. Wow, you're just getting straight into criticisms. I, I, I have see. I have a few criticisms. The of title's this movie, important. The title's important. Why would you make such a long title? Then you have to tell someone every single time about your movie. You have to tell them the whole title. I know a title that's longer that's not for a movie. Oh, is it the Robert Ford one? No. The assassination of whatever. So there is a Nile song called Papyrus containing the spell to preserve its possessor against attacks from he who is in the water. It's an entire fucking. That's one what did song. you just hit me with? Yeah. <laughs> it's literally about about like having a spell that like is against the god set and like burning, but like turning the water into fire to like stem him away from you. I only like, know that's the whole thing. I only know one movie that has a really fucking long title. Which one? Uh, I'm pulling it up. Give me one second. Oh, oh here wow, it is. Mer, how are you just going to not have oh, that yes. on deck? So it's Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah. Giant monsters all out attack. Oh, you've told us this one before. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty ridiculous it's a that long is, one. That is too. a pretty long one. That's true. That is a long one. I only bring it up because I feel like this is super important whenever you're naming your film. I, I don't know. I feel like the title of the movie is personally fine. I think it's fine. I think it... Pretty much tells you everything you need to know about the movie. Sorta. Sorta. Sort of. It, it I definitely. Mean, I did not think that the movie would be about what it was based upon fair. the title, like at all. Oh yeah, it's meant to mislead you. So, so these two picks are my choice this week. I chose both of these because they're both the director's debut from both of the directors. They're both vampire films, and they're both considered to be like hybrid films. So combining elements that you usually do not see on film, and they're uh, they're both considered like critical successes they have they're critically acclaimed and people really like them although this is the case for both of them that sometimes the critics like things and the audience does not and it's because they were really looking at like the filmmaking techniques which is why i like it so much and so to start with i think we should probably talk about chronos it's fine i love chronos <laughs> so chronos is directed and written by guillermo lotoro so this is like his first film he had done like other short films and oh, it was his first one yeah this oh, is his shit. first film yeah so this was sort of when he was figuring out like his own style of filmmaking and he was getting into like what kind of films he wanted to make so he wanted to start with like a creature feature kind of but he also wanted to include the drama that you usually saw in like mexican soap operas so it's why it could be a little melodramatic whenever you're watching it was this filmed in mexico uh this one was yes it was it was filmed in mexico and it was supported by like a lot of the film um it's like groups that are in mexico similar to like how afi exists in the united states yeah they have the mexican version of that and they gave him some money to make the film nice it was chosen to go to like the academy awards by mexico that year but it was not accepted as a nominee because the academy awards are racist True. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> they didn't they didn't want to take it that year um that it came out so otherwise other than that though uh it stars uh federico lupi who is an argentinian actor and he is really well known in Argentina and Mexico as being in a lot of films. He's so well known that they almost didn't believe that he was going to be in the film because he basically worked for Peanuts. 
like he really didn't get a lot of money working on this film because it was just, like his first film he Does definitely he... I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt uh, he definitely looks the part too for like a movie star he definitely has like like the symmetrical features and everything yep. like that like i was just like this is a pretty good looking dude absolutely you know for an old man i was like damn I feel like his voice is really recognizable, too. Has he done, like, voice acting or, say, voiceovers? Because I feel like I've heard him narrate a few things. Uh, He's done mostly in Spanish, but he has done voiceover work. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, he's been, like, a narrator. He's been, like, a TV show host. He's been on TV shows, movies. Like, he's got that look, like you said, to be in stuff. And uh, one of his personal friends knew Guillermo del Toro while he was in film school. And Mm. so he, like, lent him a favor by having him be in the film. And he was really good for it. Because he was kind of getting to the age where people didn't really want to put him in stuff anymore because he's getting older. But he did a really good job for this film. So Mm. it was cool to see him. And then it also stars fucking Ron Perlman who's yeah. really young oh, man. <laughs> in this yeah. and it's just like the the son or the uh nephew who's just waiting for his uncle to die so he could take all the money what a piece of shit <laughs> I honestly, I, I they're love both pieces of shit ron uh, him and his father it's true i love ron perlman's character in this movie he's so fit and dapper it's amazing well look at his chin yeah. Yeah. It's a Look Ron at his Perlman nose chin. job too. Oh yeah, he gets his, he breaks his nose like seven times in the movie. And I mean, he shows up with the little nose cards yes. in the beginning. He's, he's like, like, which one do you like? Asking opinions on which one you should choose. Like, this is really important to me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> then gets his brand new nose broken. Oh, that's... are nose cards still a thing? I I don't think I don't so. Know. I think we've evolved past the point for that. They might be. I, I don't think know they anybody just go who's had plastic to, like, surgery. 3D design. Like they'll show you your That's face true. and then change your Some face on the screen. Like, hey, stuff. do you like this change? <laughs> uh, Kronos is a part of the Criterion collection. So this is considered to be like the collection to be a part of for filmmaking because they usually will include films that they consider to be important to filmmaking. And this movie was brought in because they consider it to be highly original and important to filmmaking because he is a Mexican-American director. So it was cool to see that join in the Criterion collection and then actually get to see it um, as a part of it. And they also have all these special features you can go and watch with it. Uh, the, it's important to know with the Criterion collections that they have a spine number as well. Yeah. Be, for people because they're big time collectors, I believe this is spine number 553. So for people who collect Criterion collection 553. Or, you know, torrent it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Don't sue me. Like, <laughs> like we may or may not have done. <laughs> Because they charge a lot. That's like, I know it's a cool collection to have. They charge you like 40 bucks for a special edition DVD. And you're like, this is, this is too expensive. Maybe $100 for a fucking 12 movie fucking case. Yeah, honestly, the, they're just, the prices on are usually pretty crazy. But speaking of money, the budget was $2 million for this movie. It only made 621000 So oh. financially not successful. Rude. But you know what? This was just good faith on the side of all the groups that supported the movie. They just gave them a lot of money to work with. Was the film only released in Mexico or was it released in the U.S. as well? Originally, it was smaller screenings Mm -hmm. um, just in Mexico to see how people liked it. And people usually felt like they liked it. And then it got a really small release in the United States. So Mm -hmm. it was not super popular. Uh, I think it was just the wrong time to release it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I so mean, what, the 70s? Uh, well, Kronos got released in 1993. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely has, like, the but, 90s. But, yeah. It has look. the old school aesthetic on it that he even put, like, a filter onto it, I think, to yeah. kind of, like, give you that vibe. And he was totally, like, going off the movies that he had seen during that time period. He's noted that one of his favorite, like, monster creatures is, like, Nosferatu and some of the other ones there, which actually Nosferatu. both directors really like. <laughs> Hmm? I love Nosferatu. Yeah, that, I I almost chose that one for this for this Who's week. But flickering I remember the you were discussing that. Yeah. Either way, the the film holds a ninety one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. And the critical consensus reads: Guillermo del Toro's unique feature debut is not only gory and stylish, but also charming and intelligent. I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, as a first film, he did pretty well. Yeah. I, and you could tell that he lives in a fucking Mexican household because the scenery in these houses is super fucking accurate. Very accurate, very detailed. He spent a lot of time with the uh, set dresser to get everything just right. I mean, having the pictures of your like your loved ones above your bed, like <laughs> yeah. that shit hit. Yo, <laughs> yeah, that's real. That's like everywhere in my grandma's house. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. anytime I go over, it's just wall-to-wall family photos. Yep. I'm waiting for my photo to show up one day. Uh, she already put one up, I thought. Did she? <laughs> yeah, it's somewhere else. It's like on one of the shelves. I'll, I'll show you next time. Also, Aww. I have I've, I have made a mistake. It is mm-hmm. spine number 551. 551. Don't come five, at me. Five, one. I'll I, I don't, fight you in the comments. I do wonder if we have any like people who are real serious collectors of film like that in our collecting like the criterion collection i you remember that one chick maybe not that criterion collection but that one chick that wanted to get us on uh what was it oh it was on uh death proof she was oh, saying yeah. she was saying we didn't credit the one of the girls appropriately or like that she was important because her dad was somebody important now i was like that's not how that works <laughs> <But> whatever <laughs> we don't care about your daddy. unless you're unless you're sofia coppola in which case yeah. Francis Ford Coppola is really important and you're going to be important just by the name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, like, there's just not going to be any other time. Um, so one of the first questions I had was, like, what was your first impression of this film? Like, do you think it was, like, a Del Toro film or was he still trying to figure out his own style? As a Del Toro film, uh, I don't think it fits, like, what he's known for. But what I think is presented is very cute. It's very, very wholesome. Right. Very, very fun. I don't know. I like the idea of a grandpa that just keeps coming back and the little girl like resurrecting him <laughs> with the device. Also, the device is fucking dope. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. It the really like is. bug contained in some sort of gold alchemical mechanical thing. Yeah. Oh. You get a little brief description on like how it came to be and the lore behind it. I mean, all of the scenes of the inside of the mechanism yeah. are very Del Toro. Oh, yeah. Well, like very much his style. And I think that's more so like that's that's his technique or his style like coming through in this movie, along with the like, you know, like, like uh, melodramatic sort of like soap opera take as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I honestly really like this take on a vampire story because I feel like usually when you hear vampire stories, vampires are always these sort of like really sexy sort of characters. There's some sort of dark allure to them. But in this case, you just have a simple grandpa who's like yeah. just trying to live, you know? Yeah, they went he with just gets the, wrapped up in some shit. They went with the ugly route on yeah. this one. And he has like marble skin, basically. Yeah. Is like so it's like very much a callback to Nosferatu. And he like sheds his skin. Oh man, so oh. A, a huge piece of body horror to just rip off your skin and grow new skin is really what they were getting at. 
and that uh, he ends up turning like marble white from it. Right, which is very bug-like too, because you know yeah, bugs shed also their skin, that. and you know this power that he gets to be a vampire comes from some sort of ancient bug trapped in this device. There's also a lot of mention about bugs and how they're pretty much immortal when you think about it. Yeah, that's true. They did mention <laughs> a few different references for it. Yeah. It also seems like almost like a euphoric drug to the grandpa because exactly. he can't get away from like injecting himself with this yeah. bug serum thing. Because it makes him younger. At, at the beginning, it made him feel yeah, younger. Yeah, it gives him vitality, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, he loses the mustache. His hair's all combed back, you know. His He's... wrinkles are fading. His skin is so, glowing. Yeah, I glowing. do think they <laughs> aged him up a bit at the beginning. Like, they yeah, definitely, definitely put on makeup and everything to make him look much older. I gotta say, like, with the entire, like, thing with vampires shedding skin, it made me question if that's what actually happens, because it makes total sense, because vampires don't like sun, so when they shed their skin, they got their SPF negative whatever, <laughs> and they're fucking white as fuck, looking like, I mean, they even talk about it in the beginning of the uh, movie, where the guy said that uh, he burned down with the building, and he was, like, 400 years old or whatever, and he mm, looked white yeah. as fucking snow. I thought it was interesting, and uh, I really like how he how like he does look gruffed up, but then over time, you know, he does lose the features. I thought that was really interesting, but he fucking looks fucked up eventually. He looks gross. Yeah, man. at yeah, the like end, a straight up zombie. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing. He's falling off. It's like, is gray. he a vampire or a zombie? Because he looks like fucking both. I he mean, just... in a sense. Zombies are vampires. Zombie grandfire? No, wait, wait. Zombie grandfire? Yeah. <laughs> vampire. You just made vampire. a new word. Vampire. Zombie grandpa vampire. <laughs> That's hilarious. And his little granddaughter. You're going to make a punk song? It's <laughs> dope. I think one of my favorite characters in this movie is the mortician. Oh, my oh, God. He's oh, great. yeah, he's such a homie. He was just like, this is art. Like, this is my art. <laughs> like, fixing like, up these hey, people's faces. <laughs> hey, don't put too much work into that. We're just going to burn him anyway. He's like, what that. do you mean? Those <laughs> mutton chops, though. <laughs> Those are this, great. This, was, this man was serious about his uh, profession. He was an artiste. Yes, definitely. But <laughs> he missed that the body got out of the coffin. Yeah. He yeah. closes up. And, oh, he's uh, in there frying. Can I see the body? Well, he's in there. How do you just do that, though? Like, the lid is open. (laughs) Do you not think about how something might have come out of the coffin? Oops, I guess I left it open. Yeah, and just fucking closes it, puts it in. I like when he comes in and he's just like, oh, can I see my friend from one last time? And he's like, yeah. He's like, you want it medium well or well done? (laughs) And you're like, oh, shit. Because he's already in the fucking oven. You're like, all right, all right. I think think what's really funny is that they talk about how they just want to fucking burn him. And yeah. he's like, he literally says a la verga. Yeah. <laughs> he yep. fucking says that shit. I was like, he's like, no, no offense to you. Praise be you. But like, right. In your life. No offense to the dead. <laughs> like, but fuck, man. My profession. That was great. I, I definitely enjoyed him as a character. And this movie gets pushed forward really well by the cast who are just phenomenal. Even the little girl. Yeah, shout out to just, little one. Who's just so good as a child actor. Like, usually you don't get that much, like, array of emotion from a child because they're only, like, they're really young. So they're trying to, like, learn how to do acting and growing up. So it's like she just seemed like she was very professionally trained, even though she was, like, what, nine, <laughs> eight? I don't know. She's just, like, not very old at all. She was a great character, too. I love how down she was of everything. She's like, I got you, Grandpa. Yeah. Man, loved him so much. She made, like, a coffin for him. That's the yeah. best part of the fucking movie. She is very hesitant, though, to give him the item. Yeah. Uh, like, the little bug item. Yeah. Because she sees that it 
shuts her grandpa down essentially it makes him like it makes him become like this like 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 layabout who like lays on the stairs and is like injecting himself and i think also like the relationship that he has with his wife was like improved after he started taking it because you know he felt more energized and more youthful and there's that scene where they're at the party and the grandpa and his wife are just snuggling and being cute and the little girl is just like so fucking bored She's okay like, oh. but the wife was fucking that dance partner though yeah that's for sure <laughs> for sure it was fucking the dance partner because no mexican drama is complete without an affair so <laughs> she has to have been fucking the dancer i know she was like can you please stop grunting fuck <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, so so the so the vampire mythology is very much integrated into the way the story plays out. So I wanted to know what you guys thought about the original vampire concept that he came up with for this film. How do you think it does against like things that you've seen in modern film? Where do you see like, you know, the like 30 days of night kind of vampire or like blade or some shit? It's a very original take. Um, They definitely allude to like the obsession with wanting to drink blood as is evident in quite a few scenes in this movie. Like licking it off the floor. Yeah, I mean, as well as not being able to be killed by traditional means. Yeah. As well as uh, sunlight affecting him. There's another scene where he goes into the attic and then all the sunlight starts, you know, piercing his skin and whatnot. So I think it was an original concept for a vampire while using things that are familiar. I really like the take on it because I feel like usually in vampire movies, it's not really explained where the vampires come from. So I like that they had the inclusion of alchemy and magic because I feel like that's a good explanation for vampires. It's like you did some weird shit to yourself. Yeah. Now you got some fucking fangs and want to drink blood all the time. He figured out how to like transform himself using technology and magic and and bug. (laughs) And a bug. It makes you wonder if the Kronos device is an actual thing. Oh, yeah. So I looked up Kronos device to see if there was like anything else on it. This might be like an original concept by Del Toro. Like, I don't, there's not really anything else that talks about a Kronos device. So he was like combining a lot of elements together. Like Kronos is like a Titan. So it's like people would recognize the name, but uh, something to put it together for the immortality is new. And then also I liked how the device was made from gold because it's believed in alchemy that there's a certain type of gold that can actually prolong life. He did so many small, really nice, subtle things like that where, like you mentioned, it's made from gold. I mean, the one that was a little more obvious was that his last name is Gris, which is Grey, as in Dorian Grey, the immortal, who Mm -hmm. survived by, like, the painting getting older instead of him. So it's like you have that immortality callback. So he did a lot of things like that where he included callbacks to other films. Um, Kronos is also known for in mythology for eating a few gods as well. So that's where you oh, get yeah. your, your headless yeah. eating. Cannibalism. Yeah, exactly. So that's where you get your... Didn't he eat his own dad? Uh, Let's see. The, the oh, he ate his son. The people that he ate... Um, let's see. It looks like he, he ate quite a few people. He actually, he ate, he ate Hestia, Demeter, Hera, Hades, and Poseidon. God and damn. Holy shit. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because shit. his own parents had warned that he would be overthrown by his own child. So he ate all of That's these right. people. Probably people that he banged because, you know, Greek gods love just banging everyone. I feel like that was just Zeus yeah. and Poseidon because they it, like the dude bros. Not true. <laughs> They're the fucking dude bros. They were like the dude bros of the pantheon. I love that fucking meme where it's like a Greek hero. You bang my mom. <laughs> I must kill you. Do you know how fucking narrow that fucking, it, you know how fucking much that narrows it down? Like, who are you? Not at all. Like, That's fucking hilarious. They hoes. I love that. <laughs> they Greek mythology hoes. 
I mean, that's what I always liked about Greek mythology is I feel like the gods of that were a lot closer to what actual humans were like. Oh, yeah. Rather than these unattainable images of what gods and God can be. Well, they always had these moralistic stories where supposedly the gods were jealous of the humans because their life could end at like any moment. So they Mm -hmm. were just always enjoying life where the gods just never died and were just not enjoying their time until a titan ate them or something. Yeah. I feel it's really common in a lot of polytheistic like religions and like especially like your mythological ones like that where like all of the gods have like very human qualities to them. Yeah. They're not always like super fantastical beings. Right. Like I know that I know that Hindu mythology has a lot of very fantastical beings. Oh my beings. god, like, yeah. They have like a thousand gods or whatever the fuck it is. It's it's ridiculous. I think that's the thing about polytheism too is that there's so many gods because each god has a certain characteristic yeah. versus just having one god that has all the characteristics, which is honestly unrealistic. Like who has everything? No one. <laughs> I like yeah. all the party gods, the ones who are like God of Dionysus. Wine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who's just my like, boy. I just want to get fucked up. <laughs> and like, that's their whole spiel. Well, I'm I mean, Dionysus was a little more complex than that, but that's a whole other story. Brother, there's a war on both sides. Who do you choose? Fucking Coke, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Is you there a third option shit? for drugs? <laughs> We digress from the gods doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Just Dionysus getting wit. <laughs> Did they even have coke back then? I don't think so. In what in uh, ancient times? Yeah, I'm gonna guess no. I bet they're just doing a bunch of hallucinations. I don't. I don't think that was like processed and became a thing until like like. I don't know, 1800. Let's just load yeah. That's a good thing to look up, actually. I've never yeah. looked up it when, like, when Coke was what invented. Were the, what were the what were the drugs? Well, no, it was in Coca Cola, so like it was 1800s at least. Well, yeah, and then there was, of course, like Sigmund Freud that who was always coked out. Yeah, and he got all his friends to do coke, and then his friends started dying, and he's like, oh, maybe it's not a wonder drug. I mean, they died. I think from alcoholism, but no, they died from Coke. I mean, it was probably a combination. But That's Coke true. You're right. You're right. Cause it was so, a bad cocktail. So, uh, do do some, uh, some research by, uh, a few of on, um, Grecian, uh, drug use. One of the most common drugs used by them were opium and marijuana. I see that. Yeah. Dang. Opium has been around for a while. Yeah. A lot of, apparently a lot of Mediterranean artwork displays poppies being held and given between people as gifts or yeah. ceremonial props. Goddamn. I mean, it's the perfect conditions to grow it. Cause you know, marijuana and opium have to be in like warm, moist climates. to uh, thrive. Okay. There's certain areas where you'll just find weed growing wild. Shit. How Wouldn't do we that get, be dope? How yeah. do we get here? Oh, because you mentioned, uh, <laughs> you mentioned the device was like a drug. That's how we got here. Yeah. That's how we got here. <laughs> I was like, wait, how did we get this far out? I mean, and opium kind of like knocks your ass out. So I mean, it, that's probably the closest thing. I guess it was supposed to also be kind of like the bloodlust coming through on that aspect where like it either gets turned into something where like he has to have it or it's sexualized. So you have like sex scenes with vampires where they're like, like what's the movie? Queen of the Damned was uh, like a sexualized version of vampires. And then True Blood, one of my favorite TV shows. <laughs> Everyone's fucking in that show. Uh, yes. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. I hate it. <laughs> hate it why true blood oh my god that was such a bad show buddy, that's buddy, why it's good buddy, why are, but lafayette though yes lafayette yeah like lafayette no. though come on Rest now in peace. no come on. Yeah. Was... oh yeah that's right huh yeah oh don't don't remind me of the sadness right <laughs> now i'm trying to ha- be happy <laughs> oh oh Rest in peace, Lafayette. I read all the books. I was just like, this is bullshit. Like, <laughs> I didn't like any of the on-screen performances. And then there was just, 
after like a girl gets fucked and gets her head turned all the way the fuck around and then he just keeps fucking her i was like i don't want to watch this show anymore <laughs> <laughs> like i don't want too much for john i don't want to i don't want to watch this anymore so that's your limit okay <laughs> No necrophilia. Sorry. It's like, you know, if you're going to go full blown, you might as well do a Serbian film where he cuts off her fucking head and just keeps going. Oh, anyway. No. Can we not discuss that? Oh, no. 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 We're not discussing that film. No, no, I don't ta- no, we, we don't, don't talk about, about this movie. film. We don't talk about that movie. Mm-mm, not doing it. Chronos? <laughs> no. yeah, so Chronos. So back to Chronos. So Chronos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So was there any elements that stood out to you that you really liked? So did you like the cinematography, the music? Oh, the music's fucking great. It actually like hits hits the tone on the mark, man. Yeah. I, I, I have to agree with Mer on this one. I also enjoyed the acting performances from everybody. I thought everybody did a pretty bang up job as far as being good actors. Definitely. I think the best I just like the idea of just a fucking little girl saving her grandpa with the fucking Kronos device. I told you my idea. It's true. Let me talk to Marvel directly, John. <laughs> Fucking Marvel. Why wait, are you wait, telling but, me? I'm not going to work for Marvel. Thing, <laughs> thing, but what what is your idea, though? The idea... Marvel, listen up. All right, fuck your, your cinematic universe. I mean, they are making Morbius. I, I don't care. I want to give them my idea. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Kronos. Grandpa Vampire. He, he gets fucked up in fights. The little girl comes to save the day with the Kronos device. This happens multiple times. He dies, and she just... Plop, puts the device on him. But here's the thing. But her the, catchphrase. The, abuelito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. And here's the thing. She's actually the hero of the story because, like, while people are, like, hanging from, like, a fucking bus that's about to, cr- like, crush itself, she gets in the crane. She picks the bus up, and she saves the people, but nobody recognizes it because she's just a fucking little girl. <laughs> and then Grandpa goes in to go for the kill, gets fucked up. Abuelito. Fucking comes back every time. Yeah, I want to see this. I want a comic book about this. I'm pissed. Why don't you make it yourself? Damn, you right. Ha <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like an original idea that you should just... This is a Mer original. It's an original stolen idea, but it's okay. Right? That's what all media Oof. is. Inspired by <laughs> that... Del Toro guy. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? You're like in an interview and you're like, uh, it was something from that Del Toro guy. You know who he is. <laughs> you're just like, what the fuck? Sorry, it's not ringing a bell. I don't know, I don't who know that what's is. going on here. The thing is, like, I expect monsters from Del Toro, so it was different to see him work with humans right. that turn into monsters. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, there's some humans that are already monsters. Like, mm. was it the the older man not the older man but the dude's father that has what some sort of cancer or something and he's living in this like yeah upstairs bunker trying not to die it's spending like, a... like thousands of dollars on these statues trying to find a device and you know ransacking people's fucking stores sending out hits on people i mean he, he was kind book. of a monster he had the instruction manual yeah on how to use that thing and we never find out how to properly use it this is true like, it never just, really gets explained. Just stick it on and go plink. Well, that's what I was, so that's what I was wondering about. Is it something that you have to keep putting on yourself? Or do you just put it on once and then you keep eating people? Like, what's the... Like, do you have to keep it with you? Because he even said that if you destroy it, you, like, essentially destroy yourself. I think that the device is basically like a drug. Like, there's some sort of venom in the bug that is getting injected into the person. Oh, okay. And then the blood drinking is a side effect because there's a scene where he's talking about it and he says, like, it does wonderful things, but there's a lot of drawbacks. One of them being you have a thirst for blood. 
That's a good point. There was uh, I've, I've talked about the Dresden Files before, and the Dresden Files use vampires interestingly. Oh yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Where where their fangs have like inject a venom. Yeah. And whatnot. So it's it's pretty. It's it's not too far fetched or too far out there. It's something that has that has been like talked about or at least discussed or used before. That's true. So, did you guys have any other thoughts about the film before we move on to the next one? Yeah, just keep that motherfucking thing on you. <laughs> <laughs> You know I stay strapped. <laughs> stay Abuelito. Strapped like Chronos. <laughs> Chronos. Take oh Chrome to the Chronos. <laughs> wow. Okay, but I gotta say the best scene in the movie is when the little girl takes out all her toys in her toy box and makes a fucking Nosferatu style coffin for her grandpa. Yeah, it's true. It's fucking wholesome. It's really wholesome. I, I think that's what I enjoyed about this film a lot was it combined drama with horror, which is sometimes included in movies but it not always and this wasn't like a romance between two people it was just like family relationship between grandfather and granddaughter which isn't too common in a film i think usually the age gap is too big or like they don't really want to be doing stuff like that it's very wholesome it's very yeah. adorable and, and especially for such like a dark idea yeah, well. yeah. It, it definitely kind of like i guess it kind of juxtaposes dude that she's also there for like the murders yeah, so, and like, watching her grandpa get beat. She watches like some violent shit happen. And I'm she's like, just chilling. Yeah, she's, she's like, fine. Uh, Yo, she kills the doctor. Also, she killed the yeah, doctor. Yeah, she <laughs> kills a man. Yeah, no, yeah. How do we yeah, not no, mention that? Out. That's what I'm saying. Like, she would be the person that actually it's like gets true. the big bad, and grandpa would just get keep getting fucked up in the comic. <laughs> That's fucking. I I I want to see it like, storyboard it like just like little figures like like grandpa's in the coffin. And then she gets a call and picks it up. Mayor, what's going on, Mayor? Oh, there's a Godzilla's attacking the city. I've got to get Grandpa. Grandpa, it's time to save the world. <laughs> Takes him like 10 minutes to get out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, got to get my right. shoes. Yeah, right. He's like putting on his shoes, putting on his jacket. We take He's like, wait, Sunday I need best. a drink of water. <laughs> Do we wear our Sunday best? Yes, we wear our Sunday best always. Always. <laughs> All right. So this is a good point to move on to the next film which I think you guys will have more opinions on. (laughs) A girl walks home alone at night, which is considered to be an American horror Western film, which is weird. (laughs) It's, I don't know if that fits the description of this movie, like, at all. You need to cue, like, some fucking, like, chorused out surf guitar. Right there. (laughs) Bang, 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 bang. It's written and directed by Anna Lily Amipour, and she, this is like her director's debut. This is like the first film she made and people loved it. At least most of the critics really liked it. <laughs> there is a lot of reviews from people saying, what the fuck is happening? I don't understand. <laughs> because the because the narrative is very, uh, what's the word? Not simplistic, but minimalist. There's a lot of like minimal dialogue yeah. in this movie too. Bleak. Yeah, it's also it's very bleak. I would use for this one. Um, it's even been called a spaghetti western. That's hilarious. I don't. I so, don't agree with this at all. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I I could agree. I feel like a lot of westerns have that whole theme about good versus evil, and in this case, she's kind of taking out these bad men. It's true. So so in order to really understand what the heck they're talking about, you kind of have to know 
like the origins of what the spaghetti western is, which is a subgenre of the western. Spaghetti westerns was usually modeled after a specific director called Sergio Leone, which was an Italian director who often used this kind of music as well as the kind of filmmaking techniques that you see in this film, which is why it's considered to be a spaghetti western. So it wasn't just about the content that's inside of it. The, per- the person who made the spaghetti western really popular like in our time is Quentin Tarantino. He mm. makes spaghetti westerns in modern film. And so people are kind of confused as to why this one was considered that when it was much slower than what you normally saw in those kinds of movies. So it's like you kind of have to know that. And Sergio Leone was the guy who did The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. So that's like your reference point for what you're looking at for a spaghetti western. Mostly Italian directors or actors with like the one American actor, which happened to be Clint Eastwood in this one because he was in every fucking western ever. But... The film is regarded as, or at least the director has come out with a bunch of quotes about the film itself and was even explaining that uh, she chose to use uh, this film to explore different mythology of vampires, kind of like how they did it in Kronos, where it's like an original idea, which is why I also chose it. Uh, One of the cool things about it is that it was an indie film that was funded by crowdfunding. So the, all the money she got was from people who paid money on Indiegogo, and she raised $55,000 for it. Not bad. So it was a good good amount of money to make the film off of, and she shot it in Southern California, <laughs> even though it's supposed to be an Iranian town. Yeah, and they're all speaking Farsi throughout the film. Did What advice have to do – did they help with, like, the publishing of the movie? Because I saw their logo Oh, uh, they the helped beginning. with distribution. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, and the, I think they did give a little bit of money. Oh, but sweet. this was when Vice was like pretty legitimate and not and the trash cool. that they are now. <laughs> I miss the good old Vice days. Vice was really fucking good at one point, and I think it's because they had a whole like crew change. They like got rid of all the good writers, or those writers went to different writing posts and decided not to continue with Vice anymore because they weren't like a young writer. <laughs> they're like once you get over like thirty, they're like I'm not gonna work for Vice. <laughs> so they just ended up going elsewhere. But I mean, so the project raised 55,000 and it had 290 backers so those are all the people that funded the movie and I believe at the end they're all credited with like funding the movie basically and the film was shot over the course of 24 days so pretty quick for a hour and 40 minute movie but most of all I think this is the coolest thing is that the director is a lifelong skater so all the skating in the movie was her as a stand-in nice that's cool she just included herself yeah it was interesting you had mentioned why they had the shoot in the u.s in the first place because there's certain things you can't show on film in iran yeah so in iran it is illegal for women to be out on their own especially at night isn't there something against skateboarding too also they well it's like considered to be like um what's the word not anarchist but like improper they yeah they consider it to be like the rebellious culture of like younger kids to be brought out so they're like you're not allowed to do that i mean it's still considered yeah it's a counterculture i mean even in america it's still considered a counterculture but i feel like it's put more on a pedestal right oh yeah that's true i could agree with that and there was just there was a lot of elements like her hair being shown is usually not an okay thing to do in film so, like, if she showed this film, like, in Iran, people would lose their minds. Also, the drug usage. Yeah, heavy drug usage in the film. Nudity. Partial nudity. Uh, yeah, for, like, a brief moment. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't focused on the nudity part. It was like, more just an intimate scene, really. Yeah, just yeah, like, exactly. Just chilling. It was her in the tub, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. 
But I was like, this is this reminds me sort of um, of The Shape of Water when yeah. she's like in the tub. Although in that case, she was masturbating. So it's a little bit. Yeah, that's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, what are your first thoughts on the film? The film is black and white. Was that like one of the things you. Oh, man. Oh, he's getting Murr up first. from his chair. Well, yeah, look at him. I mean this in the best way possible. It reminds me of a 1950s kind of like style B movie, and I really like it. Oh yeah, that's what that's. Uh, that, I think that's what she was going for. Yeah, it, it hit the mark. Then I, I like the black and white. I like. Uh, <laughs> yes, Mitch. I li- I'm waiting for yeah. you. <laughs> there are several ideas in here that are really cool. I like the idea of a skateboarding vampire that only kills disrespectful men. I think that right was on. a pretty original idea. Yeah. And I think because the style of the movie is so 1950s with the car and the style of the main character wearing leather and all that shit. It just reminded me of like a callback to everything that was great about like that era of like B movie horror movies. That was the thing too. the main character. The dude looked like James Dean. Just saying like the outfit, the hairstyle, the, the fucking director. Acting. She has stated that it was a direct callback to rockabilly culture. So yeah, you guys hit it right that. on the head with that. With the retro car. I expect to see some fucking Coca-Cola advertisements and shit. <laughs> All right. But yeah, initially there is that's, Coke. What, that's what I thought. I like the, I like the aesthetic Not of the, the cola. movie. <laughs> Go ahead, Mitch. Do your thing. Oh, boy. I've, I I did not like the black and white aspect of this movie. Okay. I also felt this movie was up its own ass a lot of the time oh. as well with a lot of decisions that were made plot-wise and a lot of decisions that were made cinematography-wise. I feel like there's a lot of moments in here where you have opportunity to show a lot of color and not doing that I think takes away from the experience a little oh, bit and sort okay. of makes – and would I think would accentuate things a little bit more – I felt like it kind of suffered from going into this black and white territory. And I almost felt like it was like a stylistic decision to give like the illusion of, it's kind of like a pretentious thing. It's in black and white. Therefore it's like classier this sort of, sort of idea. But that's just like my take on it. I was just kind of like annoyed a lot of the times while watching the movie. Well, like my thing is, is I feel like the black and white added to the expressionism of the piece is I feel that it was supposed to represent loneliness and throughout this movie, this girl is all by herself. Obviously, she walks home alone at night. She spends most of her time alone. She's a very solemn character. And that bleak, depressing aspect, I feel like, is carried through with the cinematography, having it all be in black and white. It's a bleak, depressing setting. But it's not always... It, they shot, obviously, somewhere out in the desert because it's a very desert region. There's, like, you know, the oil fields and shit like that. That kind of area tends to be really colorful. It's bright. You have, like, the red fucking earth against the blue sky there's a lot of color there i feel like that would have taken away from the bleak aspect of it but even then if you're in like a desert location you've already kind of got like a bleak setting as it is and you've already got kind of like the desolate loneliness that you can even get just from that it depends what desert you're in not all deserts are the same i would argue that a lot of the film (laughs) is done during the nighttime which usually appeals more if you are doing black and white as opposed to the color version of what you might be looking at specifically because all you have to worry about is the lighting and the lighting is like one of the biggest things that their favorite films were about like the 50s style like expressionistic movies so that's what she was sort of going for on top of like it's a super low budget too so she probably did it budget wise but it was definitely meant to call back to other films and creating an atmosphere that's kind of like not uh super realistic or clear 
it's only clear during some moments and it goes out of focus a lot of the time. I really liked it. It gave me the same effect that like when you watched Lighthouse, how it was in black and white. Yeah. How that movie wouldn't have been good in color. I think the same thing of it where it's like they live in such like a broken down, like poor area that like there's really not a lot of color to see anyway. Yeah. (laughs) But that's just that's just something I was thinking about it. But I understand what you're saying. I think where, also the sorry, but the black and white really emphasizes the light that comes yeah. into. I feel like the light is used a lot. Like you even mentioned, um, there's a scene where the two are together. Oh man! And there's the silhouette of his face, and yeah. there's the lighting on the cheek a little bit. And there's also the scene where uh, the prostitute woman she's dancing in her dusty little shack, and you have the light coming through her hair and coming all around her. You can see the dust in the air. It was yeah. really bleak, but also beautiful at the those same time. Those scenes are how you can tell that I'm a film student currently yeah. <laughs> because I watched those and I thought they were fantastic. Like those are like such good shots. The yeah. scene in the room where they're listening to music together and she like stays there and it is just on her as he like, <laughs> it looks like he rolls into yeah, the scene on like the skateboard, skateboard or something. <laughs> that to me is like one of the best lit scenes in black and white that I've seen in a long time because of the way that they had the lighting set up just like in the corner to come down onto his face. I think the black and white works for what it was going for and trying to pay homage to. There are some critiques I have about some of the cinematography. There are some shaky cam moments. There are some moments where it looks kind of weird, but on the like opposite end of that, you have the scenes where she's walking alone at night and they use the Dutch angle German expressionist style fucking shot. Where it's like slightly tilted. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I really yeah. like that because yeah. it reminded me I was watching like a fucking black and white horror movie. Yeah. They, they use that a lot, man. The moment they figured out that they could slightly tilt their camera, they were using it all the fucking time in horror films because they wanted you to feel just as disoriented as the person was on screen. So that was like something that isn't used that often anymore. So when people see it, it's noticeable because you feel off balance watching it. And so to see it in those scenes is really good. One of the other questions I had was, how do you think this movie was original, especially considering that it's a hybrid film? They are calling it a vampire Western film. Well, I think what it is is the setting itself holds to the Western thing, but also to the fact that everyone is kind of just doing their own thing. The ta- You don't see a lot of the town. That's and true. when the town is shown, it's shown narratively with the plot. Like, as in like, like, oh... You're a drug dealer. You're walking down the street. Come to my pad or let's go to your pad. And then bam, bam, bad guys did. Basically, you could say that the, sh- the fucking fangs are just pistol shots. This is true. She's run around taking out That's bad interesting. guys. She yeah. is a, a sort of vigilante character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she definitely does the vigilante thing. I think also like the skateboarding vampire is also just... That's I've her never horse. seen that before. <laughs> That's dope. That's a really cool concept. The skateboard is the metaphorical horse. <laughs> the skateboard is yeah. the horse. Yeah. I mean, th- it's cool because you don't usually see vampires doing modern shit unless it's like really rich stuff, like where they're like, I'm going to go to this opera or go to this fancy party. It's never like, I mean, dude, I just want to go skateboarding. Are operas really modern? No, they're like high society shit. Yeah. I yeah. should say, not really modern. Some white glove society shit. Yeah, there you go. And they always want to be a part of that, right? Because they're super old. They're like supposed to be these poised characters. And there's never like a, like a good amount of punk rock sort of vampires, unless they're like considered to be new vampires, like they're younger. You have like Lestat from yeah, right. 
Interview with a Vampire, Queen of the Damned, all that good stuff. Oh, man. I love those movies. My favorite thing is that she doesn't really fuck shit up until she has her striped black and white t-shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and her cloak. <laughs> and she likes to just chill out with fucking new wave records, which is really cool. The music in this is phenomenal. They actually have a vinyl press for it. Yeah. You can find the vinyl press for this film's uh, soundtrack. The, so- the soundtrack for this is a very is very good. Yeah. I really enjoyed all the music in this movie, for sure. Like, every scene, it felt perfect for every scene that they were doing. Despite me not really liking the movie all that much, there were things that I did enjoy about it. I think the one thing I have with it, my only gripe with it, is the a little bit of the plot. I wish I could have known more about the vampire lady. And I wish I could have seen a little bit more emotion out of the dude, especially when the cat rolls in after he realizes that his dad is dead. The chubby cat. Yeah, my, <laughs> oh, I, different cat. The, oh, it is the same cat. No, it's uh, the same cat. This is oh, a, that cat. This is a nitpicky thing, but they were not monitoring his diet. Matsuko, the, you are, the you cat. Are, <laughs> I am on this one. You were like, right. this cat is too fat. Yeah, the poor cat, is. he's going to have heart problems, <laughs> arthritis of the knees. He's going to, his belly will like scrape against the floor. And also it must've happened during filming because he like changes. He in seems size. to get bigger. He seems to get bigger in the movie. And I don't know if this is camera trickery to, you so, know, hide the fact that I they are overfeeding this animal. I honestly think just everybody on set was just giving him treats every right, now and again. Like, oh, hey, probably. Mitsuki. Yeah. Literally the cat's name treat. is Masuka. That is, yeah. he, is, he is credited on the cast as being in the film, which is great. Something, I think he was my favorite actor, honestly. <laughs> Legit. I mean, he held his positions. Yeah. He, he, all his scenes are perfect. Yeah. And no dialogue for him either. Yeah. That was the amazing part. There Can you imagine actually, if he talked? The ending scene was probably one of my favorite with the cat, where the two are just sitting in the car. They're all in the car. The cat is sitting between them. They're just silent. The cat's looking at both of them, looking at the camera, like, what's up, guys? What are you guys going to do? <laughs> it, it was a very, uh, like, that last scene of the movie that Justine was just talking about was very much The Graduate. Like, the ending oh, of oh, The yeah, Graduate yeah. It reminded me of that a lot. That's a good point. Yeah. And especially because he's just kind of, like, looking over at her. He just kind of does, like, a sideways glance, like, uh, uh. <laughs> he's, he's just, he's super conflicted. And I'm glad you guys brought it up because... I agree that his response should have been like bigger. Like he should have been like, yeah. dude, you murdered my dad. But also he kind of hated him Yep. because he's a drug addict and he had to take care of him and then eventually just kicks him out because he's so tired of it. Yeah. So it's like he had that weird relationship with him where like he wants to care about him, but also he doesn't, his dad doesn't give a shit about him. And he's always like complaining to him to be like, I just need medicine, which is just like, I need drugs. I mean, they spent a lot more time developing the father than they did like the first like like drug lord guy which which he was like out he was outed like (laughs) really fast and i felt like i wanted a little bit more time to like develop him to make me hate him a little more i'm just saying give a shit that he dies that dude was dead ass the iranian ninja (laughs) he has the same fucking haircut little stash going on lifting weights doing coke got the fucking tat weird ass tats all over (laughs) that scene is hilarious he's just like staring at her like check me out i lift weights after I'm I do talking two ninja from the Yeah, right. <laughs> Does two lines of code within like two or three minutes of each other and then like pumps some fucking weights and then goes over and like unzips his coat to start dancing. You're like, what is happening? Like, yeah, you like that? Bites his fucking finger oh off. Oh my god. Oh. So he has so. okay, wait, he has sex tattooed on his fucking throat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. He also has a Pac-Man tattoo on his neck. On just like saying. the back of his ear, like where his ears at. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I do wonder if some of those are real and which ones were drawn on him. Cause he just, he even has like a tattoo on the side of his head. I, I didn't look up what it says, but it's, it's in a different language. I think it's in Farsi, but either way, he was just such a terrible character to begin with. But I, I agree too, that I did want him to be around a little longer so you can really grow to hate him. And the, and the scene that she has with him is great. So that would, I think would have been better if it was later. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe before they go somewhere else, like he tries to stop her from going and then she's like, you know what? Let's go back to your place and then fucking kills him. Yeah, exactly. But I think they did it early in the film to show just how dangerous she was. And, and also that, what her motives are. Yeah, Taking exactly. out these like bad characters. Yeah, she seems to have this sort of like moral compass for who yeah. she's going to kill, but she does fuck around with people. She fucks around with that kid. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty scary moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know that kid's going to fucking remember that shit forever. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to watch you for the rest of your fucking life. And he was just like, oh. <laughs> I'm to feed your eyeballs to dogs. I did like that scene too. Even her yeah. voice gets like deeper too as yeah, she's talking. Yeah, a little distorted. Yeah, it gets super distorted, like demonic at some point. So that was a really good scene. Also how she gets the skateboard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she takes it from the kid and ends up like skateboarding down the street. And that's how she finds... Uh, Arash, I think, is the dude. Yeah, all fucked up from the party, just stumbling around. Who is not properly fucked up on the right drug? <laughs> he was like oh, supposed to be on ecstasy, but was acting like he had taken a fucking edible or something. Yeah, and just is like, I'm sad now. Yeah, and I was like, what is this? this he like, he, like tries to make somewhere. out with someone. She's like, no, and then he leaves, and then it's just like, I am sad now. Girl okay, but fuck no. that girl. <laughs> <laughs> I was more upset that she made him do some drugs and then just like bailed on him. Well, yeah, yeah, I think that's really what what like was just. Kind of like so you're just gonna ditch this guy who you just like kind of forced a pill there's actually a lot of forced drug use in there there's that yeah. and then there's also when his father forces the prostitute to do heroin yeah which is fucked up fucking and that's hated when that guy the girl comes in and saves the day and just rips his fucking throat out that was such a good scene for it to like cut to black and then just have this rising noise in the background as she's just eating him <laughs> so it's like that was that was also a good scene i feel like a lot of the in-between moments could have been shorter i think and then it would have made those moments of like really high intensity work much better yeah it's like a lot of moments of long gazes at nothing and like and things like that and like not a lot of you're not really telling us a lot you're just kind of killing screen time at this point you know i don't know it's so goth of them honestly let's just stare at each other morbidly what was the scene that you oh when when he pierces her ears oh yeah they go to the power plant to hang out and he pierces her ears with the safety pin with these earrings that he had stolen from one of his clients. No, it was that <laughs> just chick at the party. That, yeah, that chick at the party. And then they're listening to their sad goth music and just hanging out. You uh, like hamburgers? You like hamburgers? I've never met anybody <laughs> right? who doesn't like hamburgers. Never met anybody. I'm guessing that's going along with the vampire mythology that they can't eat food. Yep. Uh, which is kind of surprising. I, I'm surprised no one has broken that rule that vampires can like eat certain things. Like, like, you know what? No, 30 days of night, they can eat raw meat. I mean, it's kind of bloody. But so. it is like, it's very bloody. So it's like, that's kind of like the only exception. I feel like there was some anime I was watching where they had uh, vampires and they explained that vampires don't eat anything because they can't taste, but they'll right. drink coffee because they can still feel the sensation of the coffee. That's hilarious. Yeah. They'll drink coffee. Well, I'm guessing like, so I was always kind of trying to figure out, do their like systems still work? Like, does your stomach still work? I... I don't think is your so. body just dead and having like blood run through it? Like what is the, I imagine that's the point of drinking blood is to continue to supply right. the vessel with blood so it can function. But like your functions aren't exactly working because you don't need to sleep. You don't really need to eat food and get nutrients from other things. 
I don't know if they go to the bathroom. It's never really talked about, but like, see, with, eh. with that, then there's the argument of who are you? Whose blood are you drinking? Are you drinking a diabetic's blood? Are you drinking someone who you know? Yeah, that's the thing. It's true. No one's gotten into this. Like, well, what if they're sick? Like, are you well, gonna get that sickness? So, so I, I, I really like the uh, what that FX show, the What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, that's that true. Out, that one because yeah. there's a scene in there where they go to a party and start feeding on all the partiers, and he's just like. We drank some blood, and it was full of drugs, and now I'm a wizard. <laughs> so fucking funny. There yeah, you go. That's true. They did do that. So <laughs> unique takes on these. I like that people keep adding on their own piece of the mythology, which includes like, oh, they're going to have this effect, or they're going to be like this. Let's like the, the only thing about her that was obvious that she was a vampire was the fangs, and that was it. Yeah, and I love the part where she fucking exposes them. You could hear like a kind of blade kind of switch off kind of thing going on oh yeah like they did they, they inserted a little noise effect for it <laughs> which is great and like the the teeth weren't bothersome like when you watch you know when you watch movies and people have vampire teeth and like their mouth kind of sticks out mm-hmm. it, it didn't happen for her face which is great so good makeup <laughs> for doing something like that what were you gonna say uh i think we should talk about the giant fucking pool of bodies in a ditch somewhere Oh, yeah, that's never talked about. But I was thinking, yeah. I think those are just all her victims. Because, you know, the place that they're in is kind of a ghost town. And it seems like every night she goes out and claims another victim. So she just dumps all the bodies there. She, yeah, that was another thing, too. She seems to have been eating people pretty often. Yeah. I, I imagine that a lot of the people in, like, these kind of rundown areas, and they see dead by, they're just like, oh, another one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just keep on nonchalantly keep on going on. In this Death's case, sort of a it's thing a whole here. fucking ravine full of bodies. So this this kind of leads me into the question then is, is she technically a hero or an antihero? Because she does save other people at some point, but she's also pretty violent. <laughs> I think she's a neutral hero. I think she's just doing things for her own morale. You know, she's protecting women, first of all. That's true. She is. And last of all, she's protecting women. That's ultimately what her goal is. She's taking out the abusive drug dealer that likes to fuck with other women. She's taking out the shady uh, clients, you know, the weird people, the fucking junkies on the street. She's cleaning them all up. I feel like her motives are somewhat maybe Mm revenge-based, but it's not explained enough for me to understand her motives fully. Yeah. Um, We also don't know how old she is. As a vampire, yeah, like exactly. she could be like very, very old, which is, I guess that she was very old because she just wants to be alone most of the time. Just listen to her records. Right. Like that's usually the concept people go with when it comes to storytelling and really old characters. They usually want to just be left alone because they hate people and they don't want to deal with anybody and their bullshit anymore. And so her doing that, like she would only go out to do these things when she wanted to like not be bored anymore. Well, Mer, what was your question? I had a point. And I forgot it. Oh, the giant pile of bodies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing, like you said, it was just all her victims. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. He- here's what I wanted to mention was that with vampires, it's kind of like the same thing with tra- time travel. And they talk about this in Doctor Who, how like how <laughs> they time travel and they can never have friends because they're always going to die eventually. And because he is immortal or cannot die because of the powers – he basically just doesn't make friends. I think that's the same thing with vampires, though. Imagine living for over 400 plus years. You wouldn't want to get close to someone because eventually they would die. They only have a span of, at most, if they're healthy and fucking in good shape, 100 years. But realistically, the life expectancy of a fucking person is probably about 80, 70, 60, depending where you live. 
So like you would want to just stay away and just not deal with people because even if you get close to someone, they're going to die and you're going to still That's be alive. True. What if you end up eating them too? What if they piss you off one day and you're like, you know what? You're looking real fucking tasty right now. <laughs> Unless you're uh, the, the woman who met Dracula in Castlevania. Who's <laughs> just like, you know what? We should have kids. I want to fuck that vampire. <laughs> and I did. I love that portrait of their family when, when uh, Alucard is like a little kid. And she's like, do you see this picture? This woman looks so proud that she fucked Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> did it yeah and it's just it's such a great photo anyway I, I digress from the castlevania series but this this really goes into why like why did the director choose a girl as the main character for a vampire and make her really deadly it goes against the usual frailty that you see for lead female characters in film who are usually having to have some assistance from other people and in this case she is the dangerous thing in the movie and she is not to be bothered with I think it's just a thing where you want more different and new creative ideas and different avenues that you haven't explored. She just happened to find the one that was like right for her because the vampire also skates and she is a professional skater. And I <laughs> yeah. feel like that's a little piece of her inside the, the movie. Oh, honestly. yeah. So I think that it might be easier for women to write women since they oh, yeah, you know totally. have that experience. So I feel like that probably played a part into it. You know, like, I'm going to put something that's familiar to me so it's easier for me to write and whatnot. I also you want know. to point out, do you know many vampire stories where there's a woman as the lead vampire? Um, <clears throat> Dresden Files, but that's no, not a movie. <laughs> I can't think of any. I can't think of any others where, well, I mean, Queen of the Dam, technically. Oh, um, Underworld. Underworld is a good one. Isn't she like some sort of like wolf, werewolf, vampire hybrid? Uh, her boyfriend is. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Underworld is really dope, but I, I did not like their, their romance in the story. See, the thing is, every time you try to think of one, you realize that they are powerful, but they're just one under the fucking old white guy. Uh, yeah, pretty yeah. much. I wanted to, we, we already passed this question was whether or not she's an anti-hero or a hero in this. I would say that her alignment falls under chaotic good. Uh, mm, mm. Or chaotic neutral. But at the same time, but no, because I then I would say that then you kind of have maybe even like a lawful evil edge. So it's her, like, her, like, ideas dictate destroy evil men. I would say chaotic whatnot. neutral. Yeah, potentially. Mm. I feel like. Honestly, now that I'm thinking more about it, is that her character is significant considering the culture yes. that it is placed in. In that culture, women don't really have a whole lot of power Not at all, really. They're kind of just treated as property, secondhand kind of stuff, you know. But in this case, she's taking power for herself, and she's using that power to exact revenge on the people who oppress her and people like her. That's a really good point. And she has mentioned that she specifically made the film to make some social commentary about what's allowed and what's not allowed in Iran, especially for women. So that that plays through in what she's showing. She also said that when she was choosing like costuming and like set design and everything, everything she chose, she is like ridiculously obsessed with. Mm -hmm. So like the car she chose, that specific model, the jacket the dude was wearing, the skateboard, the records, everything that she chose for the film, she is like obsessed with. Those are her favorite things. And so like she brought so much of herself into the film that it's why people consider it to be like her calling card, basically like this is going to be what her movies are like. She did also make, or did she did also direct a movie called The Bad Batch, which was on Netflix I feel like for I've a bit. Heard of that, yeah. It was on Netflix for a good while, and they were like trying to push it for people to watch, and nobody liked it. 
but it was because they felt like this the script was too light and it could have just been the case that is what happened here it was very minimal yeah it could also just be her style i feel like using minimal dialogue using the scenery and the situations to explain the story and push it along more than what the people are saying and i think if you can do that you're definitely doing something good there trying to convey an idea without using words that's true i mean so this is kind of like a double-ended thing so like she's both commend it and it's also being nitpicky but she relies heavily on music to drive her scenes forward and that to me is like, it is a crutch, but it's also like you have good music choice. So it's like these two things can kind of make or break a certain scene. And she chose really good songs for the scene she was showing where nothing really was happening on screen. And it was very subtle movements. And she was hoping that the pacing from the song would push the narrative forward. So it's like, I almost want to say don't do that, but it worked for what she was doing in these slower scenes, especially the scene in the room. And so this kind of gets to the point where now I want to know what are you guys' favorite scenes? From this one? Or from either both, one. Both, both movies, oh. Kronos, uh, it has to be the fucking little girl making the coffin for her grandpa. It just gets wholesome points for me. And then I think in A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, uh, I believe it was the one where... Like, I just like the entire scene where the guy goes down the tunnel for the first oh, time yeah. and then finally, like, gets into her house and you realize that she's just, like, a very chill punk kind of person, just likes to listen to records and do nothing and steal jewelry and just chill. She's got all her band posters up. Yeah, yeah. it's hard. A Madonna Listen poster and everything. Records. Uh, all I got to say, though, is she needs a microfiber cloth for those records. They're very <laughs> fucking dusty. Okay, that's it. That's my take. Oh, that wasn't her. That was the that was the prostitute's house. Oh, that makes sense. Her life yeah. is in shambles. Oh no! <laughs> oh, sad, sad. Yeah, her house was super dusty. So, so her record table was really dusty. The dance from a girl walks home alone at night. Oh, um, when she gets so, up. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I, I think that I think that I appreciate it a little bit more now that Justine brought up like the light shining through her hair and everything because it's sort of like him creating like this ideal image of I think it's like his wife that passed away yeah, or something yeah. along those lines. And so I think that he just has like this whole like moment of oh, she's here for just a moment. It's I feel like they actually took a photo of that woman and made it the photo of his wife in the house but mm. i would have to go back and look it's not it's like a lot of things in this movie not a lot is very well explained so it's kind of like it leads a lot like it leads a lot of wanting for like i'd like that explained a little bit better maybe because i think it's like i i don't i think that's why this is such a controversial thing among the audience anyway is because yeah. it's not the most accessible like storyline i mean didn't this get pretty good ratings uh so it got good ratings from the critics mm-hmm. which is um I don't know how to feel about them sometimes. So a lot of a lot of people who go into writing to be critics are usually assholes because yeah. your your only job is to criticize something. So you're kind of like pretentious most of the time. Yeah. I mean, it says it got a 96 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So that's noteworthy for sure. But there also is some critics that are really good. There's other like critical. There's other people who can make really good critical statements without like completely ripping apart the movie and give a legitimate score as opposed to being like, this isn't what I liked specifically and then give it like a bad rating. What I do like about this film specifically is it makes the audience wait. People are super impatient when they watch film and they want something to show up really quickly. 
they want a lot of moving scenes because that's what most of the like mainstream Hollywood is producing. Oh, well, well, can I get to oh, Kronos too? Oh, I forgot. Kronos, yeah, yeah, where, 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 where granddaughter freaking golf clubs the dumbass fucking like uncle. Yeah. That part is pretty amazing because I did not expect that from her. You know, I was not because I was she's not been, expecting she's, it either. She's been fairly timid the whole time in this movie. Very like, I don't want Grandpa to be hurt or anything. I'm taking the big bad mechanical device away, and now he's like freaking out. Okay, I guess I'll give it back, but I'm sad. And then all of a sudden, like, fuck, Grandpa's in trouble. Fucking club his ass. Let's go. <laughs> and then you know, and I loved that. It was great. What are your favorite scenes? What are your favorite scenes? <laughs> I asked you first. I asked you first. No. um... My favorite scene from Kronos is probably the scene when Ron Perlman's character goes in to buy the statue because it's like you didn't know how to feel about him just yet and he was being really nice and he speaks Spanish at some point and it sounds awful because he's just so white and so it's just it was a funny moment to see him also asking for advice on like his nose job and like asking the grandpa and the little girl like what do you think do you think this one's good and it's like I feel like this just fits Ron Perlman as like a person like he wasn't even playing a character like he was just doing what he usually does it's just being ron perlman yeah he's just being ron perlman like a weirdo like doing stuff like that so it was a good piece of dialogue to give to him and then the my favorite scene from a girl walks home alone at night or oh. <laughs> yeah, you got it right. did i get it right yeah. okay i'm like i still think it's too long but uh was when she bites off the dude's finger I was gonna say that one. Oh, really? Damn. Dang. Dang. Gotta Dang. pick a new one now. No, nah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk. I'll about let it. you what talk you about it. Oh, okay. The other scene I really liked was uh, when they are in the room together, listening to music. Mm. Uh, mm. So this is something that is not commonly used in film, which is uh, creating a static shot where you do not move the camera at all and you let everything kind of play out in front of the camera. And so you have the shot of her listening to her record. And there's really subtle things like he gets up and turns the disco ball and she kind of smirks. But you have to really be looking at her to notice some small detail like that. And I'm usually I really like scenes like that because you're not shuffling the camera around to like see all these other things. You're not guiding people. You're just letting them look at whatever they want on the screen. And then to see him kind of like roll in was really funny to me. It made like an awkwardness out of their like sort of starting of their romance which was him getting like close to her and then she's about to eat him in that scene like she's about to bite his neck even like puts his face up to bite him and then decides not to and just like cuddles up with his chest <laughs> instead and you're like oh, okay like she actually cares about him Wholesome. in this moment so it's a good one i like that a lot i think probably my favorite scene from chronos was actually when they're at the new year's party and he's starting to feel like that thirst for blood come on and there's a man at the party that gets a nosebleed and he follows him all the way upstairs to the bathroom because he's trying to drink some of the blood that's yeah. coming off of him. And this dude fucking walks out and he makes that comment. He sees all the blood on the on the sink and he's like, he must have been fucking Argentinian or Peruvian, just assuming that he did a fuck ton of coke and got a nosebleed. Yep. Getting all pissed off about that. <laughs> and then I also like the moment after that where the guy goes to the ground to lick the blood off, off the floor since all the other blood that was on the sink had been washed away by the previous man. What a weird way to make that into an almost sexual scene. Yeah. Of him licking blood off the ground. It was just like, this. there's a lot of tension in that moment. <laughs> so that's a good, that's a good pick. And just get yeah. booted in the face. Yeah. 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 Poor thing. And then I think 
Yeah, my favorite scene from A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is like you said, where she goes to the drug dealer's house and he's like trying to seduce her, being all cutesy and whatnot. And like he rubs his finger on her lips and she then in turn bites his finger off. And then as he's crawling into the corner to hide from her, she takes the finger to his mouth and does the same thing and then proceeds to, you know, drain him of blood. I, I love that. I love that little like revenge piece. It was sort of like taunting him like, haha, I have the power now. Oh, yeah. It was a great power shift in the middle of a scene that you almost never see. You usually, right. you usually have these things play out, which is that like a woman gets assaulted and then she gets her revenge. And so she she like literally cuts it off and is like, no, this is not going to happen. She and wasted no time. Nope. She did play with him a little bit. Like she thought like trying to imitate with him like, oh, no, like it's fine. Like I'm totally going to just suck on your finger for a little bit and then just bites the whole fucking thing off. And the dude loses his fucking mind because he's just I mean, his... he's all like coked out and shit. Yeah, too. that too. <laughs> he's on coke. So he's just like, oh, my God, what the fuck is happening? Poor thing just cowers in the corner. He was acting like a big tough guy in the beginning, too, when he came to uh, the main character's house to go ask for the money. Just kind of asserting his dominance in the way that men love to do. And then look at him cowering in the corner right before he dies. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) I, too, enjoyed this scene. It's a good one. Any other final thoughts? No, Merce got to share his scenes. Oh, yeah, that's right. I I thought you did it already. I did. Did you? Wait, what'd you say? What were your scenes? I forgot. They were the one, the the fucking, (laughs) the makeshift vampire bed. Oh, yeah. And when they they have the wholesome moment and listen to some new wave music. Uh, Actually, I just realized they're both wholesome scenes. God damn it. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> they are very wholesome scenes. Bear. Yeah, that's true. But it hits the it hits the mark for aesthetics for 1950s, though. And this is the thing. This is why I kind of like this movie is because it hits the 1950s style that it was going for with being in black and white and what the characters are wearing and doing. But it's not the super over the top dumb cheese shit that this fucking sci-fi musical does. So I give it merit on that. Also, I've been playing a lot of Fallout New Vegas, and that might have some bias in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. What What is your final rating for the film? Oh, okay. Me now. Yeah. All you, right. Gotcha. I mean, you started I it. it up. I brought it up. So I usually, I, I came in here not liking A Girl walk, Walks Home Alone at Night at all. I was just like, this movie is pretentious. It's up its own ass the whole time, et cetera, et cetera. And after listening to everybody talk about it and having a discussion, which has happened multiple times yep. on this mm-hmm. podcast, I almost said this fucking podcast, but you know, on this, <laughs> fucking podcast, podcast. On this fucking podcast, <laughs> fuck this podcast. Yeah. Um, it's not like we're 70 always, episodes. I, I, usually after having a very thorough discussion, I usually end up changing my mind a little bit. So I was yeah. going to give it a solid six and now I'm going moving it up to a seven on this one after discussing it because I have a little bit more respect for it afterwards. Solid. So yeah, but, but a seven just because I didn't find it as, as, um, God, I just said this word and now I can't remember this word. Accessible. It's not as, it's not, it's not as accessible. I think that there's a few plot points that I think were just kind of like a little, eh, that kind of, kind of hit, mm. hit, brought me out of it a little bit. But other than that, but other than that, those are like pretty much my big points. I also liked, you know, the music, the music choices and whatnot in it as well. And then I will give Kronos a solid eight because I really enjoyed the whole thing all the way through. As far as film debuts go, I give Kronos a solid eight. It does well and it like puts down the fucking framework for what he's going to do. 
And it also makes the relationship with him and Ron Perlman that much better because he was in a movie without monsters. So <laughs> That too. And then I give A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night a 7. I agree with Mitch. It's not accessible. But on the merits of, of that, it does do what it's going for right. But like I said, the plot does... I kind of wish I got a little bit more, a little bit more character development with all the characters. That's just a minor thing. And I kind of want to see what else she comes up with in the future. So it at least puts her name in my fucking brain and my mouth. So I'll be looking forward to what she does next. I think I would give Kronos. I would give it a seven. I, I really like the wholesome aspect to having the vampire story not be centered around just sexualized vampires and just these instead it was just this creature of a person just trying to get by and you know hanging out with his his granddaughter I thought that was really cute however I at the end of the movie I was feeling a little insa- unsatisfied like I wish there was more that happened throughout mm. the movie when it ended I was like what really that's the end it is a shorter movie too yeah, it was a little, I kind of a letdown. I was just, I was hoping for a little more plot development, honestly, something a little more interesting besides just him escaping these crazy people. But I still think that it was a really good movie. And I'll give, wait, what what, what rating did I give that? Did I say seven? You said seven. eight. I said eight? No, did for Kronos, you said seven. Seven? Oh. I'll give A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, like, a 6.5. I think it's, like, Brutal. visually. No, I... I usually I, give low ratings. It's but true. Like, I'm kind of a critic. I, I just have really particular things <laughs> I look for. I think the movie visually was stunning. And I like the minimalist aspect of it. However, I do wish that there was a little more background story. Of course, of the way that they did things, there wasn't really room to put the background into a whole lot of characters. And I think in a way, it made it kind of interesting not knowing anything about these people. You're just totally wrapped up in what's going on. But me, I love a good backstory. I love good pieces of little information here and there. And so I wish that there was more of that put into the movie. But I really like the themes. And I like the characters that they are represented here. You have your James Dean bad boy. And you have this vigilante vampire girl. Great. I like that a lot. Uh, I'll give both of them nines. Oh. This is the Jeez. kind of filmmaking I really like. And the kind of films I want to make because they appeal to me really heavily as far as like the kind of cinematography they use, the people they chose, the kind of like themes they're getting at. And I'll argue that in some sense, the the second movie, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, is, is scarce for a reason. It's creating archetypes that people can relate to. And so it's left empty on purpose so that anyone who's watching can then relate themselves to who it is and they're not too invested into someone who they are like waiting for all of this character development on and so you can get a different interpretation of what you're looking at from several different people and then i'm super biased with guillermo del toro because he's a mexican-american uh, director so i'm just like he makes brilliant things every time crimson peak was amazing and nobody liked it <laughs> What a fanboy. Yeah, no, I've, I've been a huge fanboy from him for like <laughs> a long time. I like all of his films. I think he's super original and this is like right up his alley for making films like that. So they're highly rated <laughs> for me and it's specifically because of all the techniques they used. Cue outro. <laughs> outro. Dancing time. That's correct. So I just want to remind everybody we're super easy to find on all the social medias. Just go to Google and look up Bringing Down the Grindhouse. You can find all of our social media profiles, including Instagram, Facebook, 
We are also on Twitter. <laughs> we currently have our Patreon. And we love when you guys leave comments and recommendations for films that we are going to put onto the schedule. So thanks so much for coming out to talk about these two films. I hope everyone has a good night. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you.